Uh, good morning. How you doing? Come on. Well, it's so great to be here. As uh, Brett mentioned, man, we've known uh, his family, Pastor Tom, Pastor Ned, uh, since about 2005, and it's uh, just uh, been an incredible journey uh, with them as friends and seeing what God's done, bringing them here and, uh, and this great church. I've actually been with you guys uh, a couple of times. I've been here on a men's, uh, men's uh, breakfast. I think that's what you guys call them, men's breakfast. Been uh, to a couple of those. How many of you guys were at those? Anybody at those? Okay. Um, so you came today. All right. That's a good sign. And uh, uh, also spoke at their youth retreat a couple of years back, and uh, we had a great time there as well. And I just believe that today is going to be awesome. How many of you guys excited for your pastors? Come on, having fun in Italy together. That is awesome. My wife and I uh, celebrated our 20th anniversary a couple years ago, and we did that same trip. And man, what, what a great time. And I know that they're going to come back refreshed, and they're going to come back uh, with vision, continued vision for the church and for you. And, uh, but I believe as we're in this uh, body part series that God brought me here for a reason. And so grab your Bibles, if you would, this morning. How many of you guys are old school and you got a paper Bible? Anybody got a paper Bible? How many of you guys are new school and you got a digital Bible? Anybody got a digital Bible? All right, on your phone, your iPad, whatever it is. Well, whichever one you have, why don't you go with me to the book of Exodus, Old Testament book, second book of the Old Testament, second book of the Bible, first one being Genesis, next one being Exodus. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look today at a man named Moses. Maybe you've heard of him. We're going to look at him today in this body parts series. And uh, I'm not so much going to look at the body parts. You've been talking about that, uh, that the church has made up, uh, you know, many different parts, right? And each one of us plays a part in his church. And, and each one is significant. Uh, there isn't one that's better than the other. Uh, today, I'm not going to so much help you identify what part you are, but I want to help stir your faith this morning so that you can begin to walk in the part that, that you are. Uh, something I realized a long time ago is that, that faith isn't just us sitting around waiting on God to do something. Faith um, is actually action. Faith is actually stepping out and beginning to take the things we've been hearing on a Sunday morning, uh, even in this series, and beginning to step out and say, I am going to be that body part. I am going to do that. Um, and there's something so powerful about prayer and waiting on God. There's something so powerful about these worship moments. Wasn't worship great this morning? Um, there's, come on, they're sitting in here. Wasn't worship great this morning? All right, good. And uh, man, worship, you know, there's something so powerful about those moments of prayer and of worship. Uh, but I want you to know something. There's, there's another part that when we get out of these times of prayer and worship, that we then begin to go and do something. Uh, that we then begin to live out our faith, and it's, and it's active, it's in, it's in motions. James chapter 1, verse, verses 20 through 22 say, hey, don't deceive yourself. Don't just be a hearer of the word only, but be a doer of the word. Don't, don't just be waiting on, on God to do something. No, you take action. You receive from what God is doing in your life, and you begin to take action, and you begin to do something with it. And so I want to talk to you this morning out of uh, Exodus about a man named Moses who God shows up and begins to reveal to him his part that he would play in the history of Israel, that we would begin to read about that this morning. We begin to learn from that, and we begin to put something in, into action. Exodus. 
Exodus, we're going to read from a couple different portions. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to start. Moses is a man that is now living uh, away from Egypt. Moses, in case you don't know, uh, was actually a Hebrew, um, and, uh, but, but Egypt wanted to go and destroy the Hebrews, and so they were going and selectively killing children from a certain age or under, uh, but Moses' mom wanted to spare him and save him, built a little basket, put him in the basket, put him in the river, and he floated down, and uh, Egyptians found him, significant people, people in Pharaoh's house found him, and ended up raising this Hebrew as an Egyptian in the palace. Uh, well, as, as Moses gets older, um, he begins to discover his true identity and who he really is and that he is a Hebrew, and he begins to see the Egyptians treating the Hebrews wrongly. And on one particular time, uh, he sees this happening, um, that a Hebrew is being beaten by an Egyptian, and now he's, he's, uh, anger arises within him, and he takes action, and he actually kills the Egyptian. Now, because he kills the Egyptian, uh, he is now running for his life, and he has to flee Egypt, and he runs out to the wilderness, ends up meeting a girl, gets married. Now he's working for his father-in-law, herding sheep, all right? That was the fast-forward version of the story of Moses. Uh, but that's where we pick it up now. Moses is now, he, he's ran for his life, he's hiding from the Egyptians, he's running away, and he's out here and he's herding sheep. Now we pick it up, chapter three, verse one, it says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock, to the, uh, the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There... The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Look what Moses says. Moses stared in amazement. How many guys would stare in amazement? Right? Like the bush is burning. I'm in the middle of nowhere, but yet it's not consumed, but yet it's on fire. And so Moses stops, and the Bible says he stares at it in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is an amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go and see. And so God uses that to draw his attention. Now Moses goes over and guess what? Not only is the bush on fire, it begins to speak to him. Pretty crazy, right? Now I know, I know there's some people in California smoking some bushes and hearing some voices. Come on, somebody. That is not this, all right? The bush is on fire. He stops he listens. Now, now, if the bush begins to speak, how many want to know what it says? Right? I, want, I want to know what it says. So now let's go um, to verse 9 of the same chapter. The bush begins to speak. It says, look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. All right, so the bush is on fire, the bush is speaking, and now the bush is telling Moses about his life and what he's to do. In verse 11, but, everybody say but. <clears throat> but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Well, the bush responds. God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that the one who has sent you all right, and so here it is. So, so the bush speaks, Moses hears, the bush gives Moses a command, here's what you're gonna do, here's your part, here's how you're gonna do this thing, but Moses is not convinced 
that it's supposed to happen or that it's going to happen. All right, you with me? Now let's fast forward uh, to chapter four of verse one because the conversation continues. The bush speaks, I'm gonna be with you. Uh, They're not gonna listen to you because of who you are. They're gonna listen to you because of who I am. Chapter four, verse one, but. Everybody say but. That's two buts now, okay? But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hands? I want you to highlight that, whether you have a digital one or a paper one, or whether you just want to do it mentally or you're taking notes. I want you to highlight that. What is in your hand? And Moses replied, a shepherd's staff, which looked nothing like this, but it's what I had, okay? He said, it's a shepherd's staff. Moses replied, verse three, throw it to the ground, the Lord said to him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped, now come on, are you, are you following this story this morning? We got, we got bushes on fire that are speaking, that are talking. We got staffs becoming snakes. Come on, who said the Bible's boring? Are you with me? He throws it to the ground, and now it becomes a, a snake. Moses jumps back, so would you. How many of you guys, no, don't raise your hand, because if I ask this question, I know one person, I love snakes. Now, where I live, there is a young man that walks all over town with a snake, a big, huge snake around. There's something wrong with that dude. If I see a snake, I'm running. If I see a piece of wood become a snake, I don't know. I mean, I'm freaking out. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out your hand and grab its tail. What? So Moses reached out, grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Wow. Are you following the story? Out of his hand, whoa, in his hand, it's, it's, it's a staff. Now go with me because Moses now continues to argue with God. What if they don't believe me? What if I'm not the right one? Go with me to verse 10 of the same chapter. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I am not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asks Moses, who makes a person's mouth? (laughs) Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go! Got to read it in context. There's an exclamation point there. Now go! I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But, everybody say but. That's a lot of buts in the Bible, isn't it? But, Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. How many of you guys want that written about your life story? Do you remember that one time God got angry with you? When he, one translation says his, his anger waxed hot against Moses. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want God waxing anything hot against me. Are you with me? Like, the Bible says he's angry. 
at Moses. And so he says, fine, you're still going to go. You're going to do this thing because I created you. I have a part for you. I have a place for you. But I'll put a partner along, alongside of you. And he gives him his, his brother. Moses, what's that in your hand? I want to talk to you for the next few moments on the subject of what's in your hand. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is powerful. God, your word is alive. So God, I pray that your powerful, amazing, life-giving word would come alive in this place. God, that you would speak to each and every one of us today out of these passages. God, I pray that you would help me now in this moment, create an environment for people to encounter your son, Jesus, know your incredible love, and walk out of here understanding the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Uh, has anybody ever lost anything before? Two of you, all right. You know, a set of keys, right? Uh, your wallet, anybody lost their mind? Don't raise your hand, right? You ever lost something before? Well, I'll never forget one time, um, my kids were much younger, and I was in a hurry to get out of the house, and I went out to the car only to discover I did not have my wallet and so I go inside to find my wallet, and what st started off as a casual, casual search for my wallet turned into a frantic search as the, as the clock kept tipping. Ever, ever been there before? Like, you can, I'll just go grab my wallet off the desk where it should be, and you go over to where it should be, and it's not there. And so what starts off as a nice little journey looking for your wallet, as all of a sudden you're looking like, man, I got to be somewhere really soon. I got to find my wallet. All of a sudden becomes a frantic search. And that was me. It became a frantic search. And now I'm looking everywhere for my wallet. Now, here's the funny thing. When you lose something and you can't find it in the places it should be, you start to look everywhere it, it, it would never be, right? Like, like I started looking off in the obvious places on the desk, on the counter, next to the bed, in a drawer. But now, you know, you start lifting up cushions. Maybe it fell out of a pocket. But pretty soon I found myself looking in cereal boxes. Come on, somebody. Because I got kids. You never know. I'm looking in the freezer, which one time I did find my phone in the freezer. How it got there, I don't know. But I'm literally frantically looking everywhere for my wallet, and I'll never forget, because then people step in and try to help you because you're frantically looking, only to annoy you. Come on, somebody, talk to me, right? It's like, hey, Ben, I don't have time right now, but Ben, what are you looking for? It doesn't matter. I, I, I got to get going. Well, what, maybe I can help you. Ben, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? You know, I'm just getting annoyed. I'm like, I'm looking for my wallet. And she looks at me, my wife looks at me, and she goes, Ben, what's that in your hand? Oh, you laugh, but you've been there before, too. <laughs> Looking all over for your sunglasses, only to discover they're on your head the whole entire time. Come on, somebody. She's like, what's that in your, in your hand? And I look, and I'm like, it, it's my wallet that I've been looking for for the last 15 minutes. Who put it there, right? Come on, somebody. And here I am frantically looking all over the house for my wallet only to discover that I had it the whole entire time. You know what? Our spiritual journey is a lot like that sometimes. We are looking all over the place for God to do something, for God to move and God to show up and God to give the answer and God to do this and God to do that. Well, all the while, what you need is right here already inside of you. And the thing is called faith. It's called faith. See, so oftentimes in our spiritual journey, we find ourselves in places where we are, we are positioned saying, God, man, our, our city needs you. Would you show up? And God's like, I did through you. 
God, my, my job place really needed, I, I sent you. Too often times in the spiritual journey, man, we are looking at all the other places for the answer when God is saying, I already put the answer inside of you. Son and daughter, you don't need me to show up again. What you need to do is you need to begin to exercise the faith that is inside of you and you need to begin to step out and you need to begin to do something. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Faith is in, in, inside of you. The Bible says that he's, he's given to each one a measure of faith. The Bible says that we ought to exercise ourselves untowards godliness. Well, what is that telling me? That means there's something I already possess that I need to step out and I need to begin to take action and I need to begin to do. See, we can talk about body parts and we can talk about what part are you and are, are you an ear, are you an eye, are you an usher, are you a greeter, are you a musician, are you this, are you an evangelist, are you we can talk about that, but here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen, until we step out and do something with it, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. There it was the whole entire time in, in, my, in my hand, in my hand. Here, God approaches Moses, and he's saying, hey, Moses, I want you to go do this. And four times, Moses argues with God to the point where God is angry at Moses. And he simply asks this question, Moses, what is in your hand. What, what, is in, what is in your hand? And Moses replies, well, it's just, it's just my, my, my shepherd's staff. You got to understand something. This, this thing that was in his hand wasn't just his, his shepherd's staff. This thing that was in his hand represented everything he, he was, represented who he was. Listen, listen to this. This is what it represented, this, this, this staff in his hand. It, it represented his source of livelihood. It was his strength. It's how he made his living. This thing that was in his hand. Moses, what's that in your hand? See, when God said, he wasn't asking about the staff. So what's that in your hand? It's just a shepherd. No, no, no. What's in your hand? It was his, his source of livelihood. It was his strength. It was his standard of living. What was his standard? He was a, he was a shepherd. He was a sheep herder. Now, now, back in the day, that wasn't like, like the premier job, ladies and gentlemen. But yet it represented his, his, his income, his source of livelihood. What, what's in your hand? Well, it's just a staff. Is it just a staff? What's in your hand? It represented his livelihood. It represented his standard of living. Now listen to this. It also represented his influence. What was his influence? His influence was over the sheep that he would herd, that he would lead to water, that he would lead to, to, to pastures, that he would lead to fields. It represented his influence. So when God says to Moses, Moses, what's that in your hand? And Moses replies, hey, it, it's a shepherd's staff. He said, oh, really? Throw it to the ground. He throws it to the ground. And it becomes alive. So much so that, that, that Moses jumps back and he's afraid. There's a lesson in this. And God says, now stretch out your hand and, and pick it up by the tail. And so I don't know how it looked, but I'm like, I'm, I'm getting something to grab it. Are you with me? Matter of fact, I ain't even grabbing it. I'm calling a friend. Come on, somebody. Moses, stretch out your hand and, 
and pick it up by the tail and he, he reaches over and he, and he grabs the thing by the tail and as soon as he grabs it, it becomes a staff once again. See, everything that Moses was, everything that he did, everything that, that, that represented his life, when it was in his hand, it was nothing but a dead, dry stick. But the minute he released it, it became alive. And the same is true of you and I. Listen to me. If you hold on to what you are and you hold on to your stuff and you hold on to it, man, it's, it's, it's pointless. It's, it's useless. It doesn't come alive. But the minute God speaks to you and you're in a church community where, where you can begin to thrive and begin to grow and begin to play a part and you say, you know what? I'm going to release my gift. I'm going to release who I am. I'm going to let go of it and let God use it. It becomes alive. But the problem is, is too many times we hold on to it, maybe because of fear, maybe because of pain we've experienced in, an, in another place, maybe because of uncertainty, maybe because of impurities in our life, maybe because of insecurities. Many reasons why we mo- might hold on to it. But what God is asking, he's asking us to release what's in your hand. What's in your hand? Reminds me of a New New Testament passage in the book of Luke, one of the great gospels, Luke chapter 9, if you just want to jot that down, great reading later. Luke chapter 9, there's a story about Jesus, and he was teaching the people, and he was communicating the good news. The disciples came to him and said, Jesus, you long-winded. Come on, somebody. He said, hey, the hour's late. They were much kinder than saying he was long-winded. He said, hey, the hour's late. People are getting hungry. Let's send them away to the surrounding villages so they can find something to eat. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, you give them something to eat. What's in your hand? Why do you want to send them away? You give them something to eat. The disciples huddle up and they're like, yo, I think Jesus lost it. He, want, he, wants, us, he wants us to go look and uh, we, we got to come up with something to feed about 5,000 people. I mean, I, I've tried to get rid of them, but Jesus said, we ain't getting rid of them. You give them something. Well, let's go see what we have then. So they go find a boy and they mug him for his lunch. Come on, somebody. True story. You never hear from the boy again. And they find some loaves of bread and some fish, and they come back to Jesus, and they're like, all right, Jesus, here's what we got. Here's what's in our hand. We got some loaves of bread and some fish. Jesus says, good. Now give it to me. Now give it to me. Because in your hand, it's just a couple of loaves and some fish. But if you give it to me, I'll I'll bless it, I'll break it, and I'll distribute it, and I'll feed the masses. I'll feed the masses. So valuable was this lesson that if you go back and you read the story in context, that after they fed all these people, they each took up, and there were 12 baskets left. How many disciples were there? They got to walk away with an object lesson that day. What's in your hand? 
Moses, what, what, what's in, in your hand? And, and here, God begins to mess with Moses, much like he messes with the disciples. He begins to ask Moses, okay, Moses, check this out. Give me what's in your hand, boom. And here's the reason why I believe God does that and challenges us in that is because he wants to get involved in every area of our life. He wants to get involved in our livelihood. He wants to get involved in our family. He wants to get involved in our finances. He wants to get in ev- in involved in every part because he wants to show you, really, it's a faith issue. Really, it's a faith. What are you going to do with what you possess? What are you going to do with what you have? What are you going to do to influence others in this community so that they might come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ? What are you going to do? And he begins to speak to Moses and he begins to deal with Moses. And I believe he wants to deal with some of us today because there's a reason why we hold on to what's in our hand. The reason why we hold on to it and we, 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 hold, we hold back, I love that he chooses Moses. Why did he choose Moses? I believe he chose Moses because Moses is just as jacked up and messed up as the rest of us. One, one, one of my favorite things about reading the Bible as a pastor is reading about all the messed up people God used in Scripture. I mean, you used Moses. Moses was adopted Raised in, you know, by, by, by parents that weren't even his, in a culture he didn't even belong to. Are you with me? In the New Testament, he uses a guy named Paul to write two-thirds of what we read as the New Testament. Paul was, was literally totally 100% against the church and against Christianity. God shows up and says, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to use you. I don't know about you, but that gives this pastor hope. Because I know how messed up I am. Come on, somebody. Don't look at me like that. Why are you on stage preaching then? Look, you messed up too. We all messed up. But it gives me hope when I read what God did through a guy named Moses. Moses. Let me just walk you real quickly through the things that Moses, I believe, had to overcome. And some of them speak to us today. Moses, what, what, what's that in your, your hand? In order for Moses to come to terms and come to grips with what was in his hand and be used to lead people out of bondage, out of, out, of, out of slavery and out of that place called Egypt into the promised land, he had to confront his impurity. He had to confront his impurity. See, the reality is Moses is where he's at in this place of scripture as we picked it up and read it today because he murdered somebody. And he had to be confronted with his impurity. See, the last time he threw something to the ground, it died. It wasn't Egyptian. Moses, what's your throat to the ground? Wait a second. Wait a second. Last time I threw something to the ground, he, he, it died. And the Bible would tell us in Exodus chapter 2 that after Moses killed the Egyptian, here's what he does. He tries to cover up and hide the fact that he murdered someone. The Bible says that he takes the man and he buries him in the, in the sand. The problem with that, ladies and gentlemen, is once the winds start to blow, that sand starts to move, and all of a sudden, his impurity is uncovered. He never dealt with his impurity. How many of us are in that same boat today that, that we know what we did last summer? We know what we did last week. We know what we did last night. Oh, it's getting real quiet in here now. And what do we do? We do what Moses did. We try to cover it up. We try to hide it. 
We try to hide that thing because if anybody sees it, they, they won't want me to be involved. If anybody sees who I really am, will they really want me at church? If anybody sees who I really am, will they really let me greet somebody at the door? If anybody sees who I really am, will they let me lead worship from a stage? So what do we do? We, we try to hide it and we try to cover it. But the Bible would teach us that all of our attempts to cover our sin is like a filthy rag. It's like a leaf that withers. We, we, we can't cover it. There's only one that can cover it, and his name is Jesus. And the only way we, he can cover it is as we come to him. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The only way that thing gets covered is as we expose it to, to him. Yeah. But Moses had to deal with his impurity. Moses had to be confronted. And here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen, is you might have that impurity in your life. But one thing I know is that when God decides to use you, when God chooses you and he comes after you, you cannot run and hide from him. He will find you wherever you're at. You might be on the backside of the wilderness or the backside of the desert like Moses is. Hiding out, working for your father-in-law, just trying to mind your own business. God shows up and he wants to use you. And it doesn't matter what impurity is in your life. If he wants to use you, he's going to find you. He's going he's to come and, and, and call you. And then he's going to confront. And you're going to have to deal with it so you can go into the thing that he has for you. Are you hearing me this morning? What impurities are in our lives that we need to confront today and begin to deal with today? What are we running from? What are we hiding from? Moses had to confront his impurities. Purities. Listen to me, you need to hear this today. It's not about what you've done. It's not about where you're currently at right now. It's about where God wants to take you. But you need to confront the reality of stuff in your life. Deal with it with him. Stop trying to cover it. Stop trying to hide it so that you can be used. Moses, what's, what's in, your, what's in your, your hand? Number two, he had to deal with his uncertainty. His uncertainty. Moses questions God four times. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if, what if, what if? What is it telling us? Moses had uncertainties, didn't he? But, but God, I hear what you're saying, but what about this? And what if this happens? And what if, what if that happens? And, and what about this? What, what's happening? He's being confronted with his uncertainties. We gotta deal with our impurity, but we also gotta deal with our, our doubt and our uncertainty. Listen to me, God's not afraid of your doubt. But when you step into a place, when we're talking about body parts and what are you and meant every member doing their part, at some point you're gonna have to be confronted with your uncertainty. I don't know. He questions God. He questions God. And he questions God. He said, listen, you're missing the point. It's not about you. It's about me. Listen to what he says. Here's what you're going to say, Moses. I mean, you, 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 you can sit here and argue with me all you want, but here's what you need to understand. Tell them I am has sent me. Because greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. He said, Moses is not about you. And ladies and gentlemen, God brought you to this church. If this is your first time here, welcome. Hopefully you'll come back next week. This is your home church. You've been coming for a while. Awesome. God brought you here. He positioned you here. He placed you here. This is, this, this is, this is yours. Okay? But now it's time to step out and realize that although he brought me here, it's not about me. It's about him in me, the hope of glory. It's about Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's about greater is he that is in me. Is somebody getting something out of this this morning? You gotta deal with your impurity. You gotta deal with your uncertainty. Listen, we all, we all have uncertainties. And again, they don't, they don't scare God. God's not afraid of them, but he does want us to confront them and deal with them. But listen to me. God will only have the argument with you for so long. He'll only have the argument for so long. I don't know about you, but I don't want to make God angry. And if God has to, he'll put somebody with you. But he's called you to this place. He's positioned you here. It's time to rise. It's time to deal with your impurity. It's time to deal with your uncertainty. And, and thirdly, he had to deal with his insecurity. Now, I don't know which one's the bigger one in your life, the impurities that only you know about that you've been covering, that God is putting a finger on today and saying, hey, deal with this, hey, deal with that. I want to use you. You got you to you deal with this, deal with that. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the uncertainty, but what if I do, and will they believe me, and, and what if it doesn't work out, and the last time I stepped out, I was hurt, and the last time I, I did this at a church, I mean, they didn't really uh, accept who I was, and there's all these uncertainties, or, or maybe it's this. Maybe there's insecurity in your life. Maybe there's insecurity in your life. He was insecure in who he was. He was insecure in who he was. Listen to what he says. God, 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 God you, 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 you got, God. See, if you study out this passage, you, you realize that most theologians believe that Moses had a stutter, that he couldn't speak real, real well. God, you got the wrong one. I, I, I can't speak real well. I, I can't let words flow. Isn't it interesting that that's the guy that God chose to be the one to go speak to Pharaoh? Because in our weakness, he is made strong. Because here's the thing, if I'm, if I'm all eloquent at speaking, maybe I can boast in that and God doesn't get the glory. But see, you're looking at your thing right now and you're saying, I don't know, God. Why would you call me? The reason God called you is because he's going to get all the glory. He's going to get all the honor. Stop looking at yourself and in your insecurity and realize maybe God chose me because he wants all the honor and all the glory to start with. He said, Moses, it's not about you. Moses, it's not about them. I'm not picking you because you're really good at speaking. I'm picking you because I'm God and I can choose whoever I want to choose anytime I want to choose them. God, why did you put me here? I'm, I'm, I'm too young. God, why did you put me here? I'm, I'm retired and in a different season of life. No, God brought you here because he wants to use you to build this house, to reach these people, to bring them into the kingdom of God. Are you with me today? And yet sometimes we cater too much to our, our insecurity, our handicap. But yet the very thing that we're looking at 
that we believe disqualifies us, God is looking at and saying, no, that's the thing that qualified you. Surrender it. Surrender your insecurity to me. I'm going to use you, son. I'm going to use you, daughter. Surrender your insecurity to me. I'm going to use you. Surrender your impurities. What do you need to have uncovered today in your life? Surrender your uncertainties. So Moses goes. Moses goes and God sends Aaron with him. Maybe you've heard the rest of the story. They go and stand before Pharaoh multiple times. Pharaoh doesn't listen. Doesn't let the people go out of bondage, out of slavery. God shows up, does miracles, sends plagues until finally Pharaoh reaches a breaking point. He says, fine, get out of here. So all the Egyptians are facing all their issues and Israelites get to leave and they go and Moses leads them out. But they're not that far gone. When Pharaoh says, huh, forget this, we're going to kill him. So Pharaoh rallies his army and the Egyptians, they begin to chase after the Israelites. Israelites are now at the Red Sea in front of them. They hear about the Egyptians that are coming after to kill them. And they're there, they're trapped. We can't get across this sea. We can't go that way, they're gonna kill us. And here the ultimate test comes for Moses. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Everyone now looks to Moses. Moses, help! What are we going to do? In Exodus 14, the greatest test comes. Moses stands up before the people. He gives one of the greatest speeches ever. You want to hear it? Yeah, how many guys give me about three more minutes? Three, six, nine, ten, twelve, forty. Okay, well, I got like, like a ton of minutes here. This is great. Let me just read it to you. Exodus 14, verse 13. The problem with the digital Bible is it doesn't turn to where you want it to turn. This is so good, you gotta hear this. Exodus 14. Verse 13, but Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you you must be quiet. Isn't that a great speech? Can you see it? The Red Sea in front of them. The Egyptians coming in behind them. For those of you that are old enough to remember this movie, this is like a Braveheart moment. As he's riding on the white horse, his face all painted, sword in hand. Anybody see that movie? Come on, some of you older than me. 
Listen to his speech, man. It's epic. Moses gets some strength and he stands. Don't be afraid. Everybody starts listening in. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation. He will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. I mean, that's an aha moment, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying to me? What the heck? Can I say that in church? Too bad I just did. What the heck? It's like epic moment. This speech was amazing. All the people are leaning in like, yes. And God says to Moses, why are you crying to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. And as for you, lift up your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Moses, what is in your hand? I've showed it to you. I've given it to you. Why are you crying out to me? No, no, no. Lift up what is in your hand. Make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen. There is no dispute about it. Who separated the Red Sea? It was not God saying, part. It was Moses as he took what was in his hand, what God had positioned him for, what God had given him, and he lifted it up, and he set it over the sea, and the sea began to move this way and that way, so that all the Israelites could walk over on dry land and find hope and find freedom and find salvation and find deliverance you got to hear me today what is in your hand is not about you it's about the people that need to know Jesus Christ in your community and they are waiting to walk over into hope into deliverance into freedom and into salvation but they're not waiting on God they're waiting on you to take what you have what God has put in you to lift it up so that now, all of a sudden, there's a separate, my God. So that they could walk over, find freedom. Why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? Take who you are. Begin to put it in action. And begin to create a way for people to find deliverance people to find freedom for people to find salvation stop looking back at your past and walking with uncertainty stop looking at your stuff and that, that, that handicap in your life that's creating insecurity listen to me deal with your impurity today and watch and see what God does in your life would you just stand to your feet and close your eyes as we bring this service to an end today. Jesus, let him find freedom today. Jesus, let him find healing, healing in you and you alone. Come on, just close your eyes for a moment. This is for somebody or it's for somebody's. It's time, it's time to let go. It's time to release the part that you are into this great church and watch God move in you, and watch God move through you. 
there are people on the other side there is deliverance on the other side there's hope on the other side there's healing on the other side just release to me today hallelujah every eye closed and every head bowed you're here today can you just do me a favor every eye closed just bring up the house lights just a little bit so I can see the faces of these incredible people with every eye closed and every head bowed I just want, I want to ask you this question you're here today You'd say, Ben, I, I, you're talking to me. I got some impurities in my life I just need to deal with. He's faithful and just to forgive you and deal with those things right now. If that's you and you're in this place, no one's looking around. It's just me, guest pastor. I won't be here next week. But you're here today and you'd say, Ben, I got some impurities in my life I need to deal with. Every eye closed, every head. That's you. Just shoot your hand in the air right now. You know who you are. Come on, don't, don't let this moment pass you by. You know who you are. You know who you are. You've been you've been flipping through that stuff on the internet. Yeah, uh, you've been you've been having some conversations you shouldn't be having. There's some stuff going on in your life. You need to deal with it today. You need to be honest before God. Thank you. You need to be honest before Him. You need to surrender that right now. Come on, every eye closed, every head bowed, hands all over this place. You just right now, in the quietness of your own heart, you begin to deal with that. And you just begin to say, God, come, heal me. God, come, forgive me. I'm bringing it to you. God, your word says, if I confess it to you, you're faithful and just to forgive me. So God, come today. I'm bringing this to you. I need help. I need healing. I need salvation. I need deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If that's you and your hand's raised, then you can go put your hand down. But if you raise your hand, Come on, I want you to know something right now. If you just, listen, there's no, there's no magic in what I can tell you to say. It's just you having a conversation with him. But right now, you need to do business and you need to just give it. Some of you might need to go to somebody and ask for forgiveness. Some of you might need to go to your spouse and confess some stuff. Some of you might need to come to a prayer team partner in just a moment and just bear your heart so that you can find hope and healing. I would encourage you to do that. But, but, but as your hand goes down, there's two more calls I have. Uh, the next one is this is it's it's not it's not that there's impurities it's that there's uncertainty you're afraid to step out maybe you were hurt somewhere else and you need to find healing you're afraid to step out because you don't know what people will think every eye closed every head bowed you're in this place you say pastor that's me I've got some I've got some uncertainty would you just shoot your hand in there right where you're at come on come on come on just me looking right now hallelujah hallelujah there's healing for you there's healing for you today go ahead put your hand down there's others of you here today and it's not about the impurity or the uncertainty it's, it's the insecurities in your life last call and then I'm going to pray I'm going to have a prayer team come and they're going to minister to you but eyes closed, heads bowed you're here and you would, you'd be honest with this pastor and, and your heavenly father who's looking out and saying it's, it's the insecurities that are holding me back if that's you, just shoot your hand in the air right now yeah don't be held back any longer Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite the prayer team. Prayer team, could you come on down right now, wherever you're at? Even if, and if you raise your hand and you're on the prayer team, just stay where you are. We're going to pray for you. Do you know that as a, as a servant in the house, it's okay to be vulnerable and, and, and respond to these moments? It's okay. It's okay. That's what I love about the local church. Prayer team, get ready. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And then um, Brett's going to lead us in a moment of worship. But here's what I want. As I begin to pray, there were so many of them that raised your hand. And I want to invite you. Some of you just walking out of your seat, coming down, is going to break that insecurity. Some of you coming down and walking up here and getting prayer, it's going to break that uncertainty. Some of you getting out and coming down here and just sharing. You know, the Bible also says to confess your sins with one another so that you might be healed. 
There's power in confession. So close your eyes, let me pray. But as I pray and as we go into a moment of worship, come on, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come right here and I want you to get some prayer today because there's power in that. God, we love you and we thank you for the power of your word. God, we thank you for the lessons that we can learn from a man named Moses so that today we don't have to deal with our junk any longer, that we can bring it to the cross of Jesus Christ and we can find healing, we can find deliverance, we can find hope, we can understand that there is a great commission and a great call on our life, that no matter what our part is, we can play that part and see life come to our community as we deal with our impurities, as we deal with our uncertainties, and as we deal with our insecurities. So God, I ask, Lord, for this great church, for South Coast Church, God, I ask that you would use them as a beacon of light in this community. I ask that you'd use each and every one of them as they go to their jobs and their homes and their, their workspaces and their schools. God, use them to bring life to others. God, let your kingdom come. Come on right now. Go out. Get head out of your seat right now. Find prayer right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Go ahead, prayer team. Come on, if that was you, come on out right now. Come on, there's lots of you. It's okay. Step out. Come right down here. Receive prayer. God bless.